This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. He's a mathematician, podcaster, puzzle, and game designer. It's Richard Molina Weber. How are you doing? Good. I'm very good. You always have a very excited greetings at the beginning of the podcast, yeah? which I really like. Oh, hmm. I just I want to make sure everyone's like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's get in. <laughs> it is much better I than... Mean, uh, yeah, I'm here. I mean, I'm the one who's obsessed. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah, you've been on the podcast before. Uh, we are friends in real human life. These things are true. Yeah. Uh, so I was really excited because I recently put out on uh, the Patreon for Obsessed a request for just like, uh, are there kind of topics that you want to hear in general that you're not hearing about? And someone posted, I truly can't believe that you haven't done an episode about Sherlock Holmes. And I was like... I really can't believe that either. Like, I almost had to scroll through and go, I have, haven't I? No, what? I didn't. Uh, so then my, I pulled out my little Sherlock Holmes antennae, and then uh, I saw you posting on Facebook about a meme where you could only choose three fandoms. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, what was it? So it was like if you were lost on a desert island or something, if you could only have three fandoms in your life yeah. anymore. And I think... That I said, like, Marvel Avengers or Marvel series. I'm yeah, good with that. Yeah. Okay, that's like a million things. Uh, but the other two, I was really excited about getting... One of the options was not National Treasure. That's yeah. the thing. And so it was like, <laughs> how do I pick two options that will also allow me to say, like... And basically, National Treasure is these two things. So I think it was <laughs> it was Sherlock Holmes and Indiana Jones. Oh, nice. And together they form... <laughs> National Treasure. Yeah. Nicolas Cage, right? <laughs> yes. His perfect Nicolas role. Nicolas Cage is Indiana Jones and Sherlock Holmes combined, right? Gosh. I mean, that's just normal I mean, yeah, cultural yeah. knowledge. If I could grow up to be anyone, it might be Nicolas Cage and National Treasure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Yeah. It was striking to me about that meme is it it was like Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, MCU, and like some of the things that are currently like heavy hitters in our culture. Yeah. And then it feels like National Treasure was like, well, here's an easy one that you can get rid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, an easy one to eliminate. And I was like, no, I got to get in there. I need yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but I was excited to see you pick Sherlock Holmes because like, aha, there is someone in my life who is a Sherlock Holmes fan. Yeah. There's so, so much. There's just so much Sherlock Holmes. It's kind of hard to say where that fandom ends at this point, I guess. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was... I think I almost did at a convention one year um, a a live episode about the modern TV show Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock mm-hmm. because that was certainly like a big cultural zeitgeist thing. Absolutely. But I did want to talk to somebody who was like a fan of the overall <laughs> oeuvre, all sure. of the Sherlock Holmes stuff that is out there. Things Sherlockian. <laughs> things Sherlockian, yes. Uh, maybe I'll just call the podcast that. Obsessed with things Sherlockian. That sounds like a Jeopardy category. That's, yeah, it does. It's very, like, what is that going to be? <laughs> all right, so let's dive into things Sherlockian. Okay. So what is your first memory or first uh, encounter with Sherlock Holmes? So I was thinking about this earlier, and I will tell you that it was not... Sherlock Holmes. I think I didn't, I wasn't exposed to Sherlock Holmes. And then I was like, this is the start of a journey. Okay. (laughs) It was, I remember growing up and reading Encyclopedia Brown. All right. Do you remember this? Yes. So it's a series of kids books about like a young detective. And uh, you get the sense as you're, you're kind of reading the book that this person, they're not just like going through a world that's kind of mysterious. And I don't know, finding out who stole the 
book, the library book. I okay. really can't remember the plots of any of these stories. No, neither can I. But uh, but that they knew what was going on, and they had like this secret set of skills that they could use to solve mysteries. Okay. And my job as the the reader was to like follow along and go like, "Wow, you're pretty cool, Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. Like that's really great." <laughs> and so later on, as I start to discover Sherlock Holmes, I'm like, "Oh, this I get it. They're the same character." Like, <laughs> okay. I I am here to wonder. That's the marvel of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> okay, how did you? So, did you like that experience when you were uh, first exposed to the the thing Sherlockian that is Encyclopedia Brown? Was that a fun role for you to be the the one who's just there to go, "Good job, Encyclopedia Brown"? Well, yes, <laughs> I think so because it's 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 two parts. I mean, that's totally that's Watson's role, and I was there for it. I was in, but but also it let me see that we had this this kind of protagonist that this. I don't know. That someone could have those kind of skills, I guess. Yeah. That being a detective isn't just like, oh, I walk into this room and then a thing happens and I'm like, cool, well, what does that mean? And then I go in a different direction. Like, maybe I have this overall tactical sense of what a crime might be and so I can make steps in directions, like, based on my own instincts and right. my own talent. That's, that it, oh, that's really uh, cool. That it's not an activity, that it's an identity. Right, yes. <laughs> that that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So... When did you uh, graduate from Encyclopedia Brown to Sherlock Holmes? Did did somebody, a, a parent, a librarian, go, if you like this, here's where it all came from? Or did you just discover it? No, I mean, I grew up in the country in Oregon, so no one ever said, like, here's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if it was high school or college, honestly, when it kind of started. But... Um, was it eventually a movie television? Did you seek out the books yourself? What was I'm I'm just kind really of interested in your entry point. It might have been, and please everyone listening to this, like <laughs> be be okay with this. It might have been the movie with Iron Man in it. Oh my god! Oh, with Robert Downey Jr. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that could have been it because I it just never. It was like at some point I realized, oh, there's a zeitgeist. There's Sherlock Holmes out there. I mean, it's probably a really hard book to get into. Like, it's ancient <laughs> literature. It's like it's like going back and reading, like, I don't know, Alexandrian papers or something right. else. I just, the Iliad, I'm, ugh, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't know why that happened. I have no idea. And in college, I took this class on, like, I was a senior. I was like, I'm going to take intro to Gothic literature. It was a, it was a freshman-level class. Just okay. Like, and I was like, cool, this is going to be great. And I think that was the moment when I realized, oh, I could just read all of these. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That they aren't, like, scary and off-putting. Yeah, exactly. Like, I read, you know, um, oh, gosh, Young Goodman Brown and all these other stories that were not quite, you know, about in the same time period. And I just, we just hadn't been brought up like that. It was really weird. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, For me, I think, like, Sherlock Holmes was always around because uh, my first memory is I had a young reader book, these series of books that were... That told the story, but were not, you know, in the words of the original author with like really big print and like a fun little picture every page. And I had one of Call of the Wild and I had one of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Very cool. And, you know, obviously Sherlock Holmes is in the gothic era, mm-hmm. but Hound of the Baskervilles to me has always been like a favorite <laughs> because it has a little bit more of that spooky element of yeah. gothic that, you know, oh o- owes more to Frankenstein and, and Dracula than mm-hmm. the majority of what Sherlock Holmes is, where he is finding out truths yeah and obviously how to baskerville doesn't end up being like spooky gothic yeah. but i remember being like spooky gothic absolutely cool. the moors <laughs> it's so good the whole thing i thought especially when when they turned that into not to jump too much but into the the 
Benedict Cumberbatch TV series. That yeah. episode was really, really strong. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought so too. So um, then did you, you jumped into reading in college? Yes, I read them in college. Um, I went through as many as I could. Um, that was a lot of fun. I do remember at some point as well, there was the Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Data and Geordi play Sherlock and Watson on the holodeck. <laughs> That's right. There's that. That's one of those things that when you say it out loud, it seems like a parody that somebody made up <laughs> in 2019 about Star Trek The Next Generation. But it really happened. Okay. Even better. Once upon a time, <laughs> there was a there was a, uh, a murder mystery dinner. It was the the Star Trek one. We decided we were going to play this, and a friend and I decided that since we were Data and Geordi and we were going to a murder mystery party, then we would dress up as Data and Geordi as Sherlock and Watson. <laughs> so you, were you Data? I was Data Geordi. Holmes? It was okay. Geordi Watson. You were Geordi Watson. All right. That is very intriguing. So so there have been some some very big Sherlock moments, definitely, and it feels weird because I just didn't have it. It was just kind of like an archetype that I had not explored the origins of yeah. for a very long time. But you were clearly invested in the archetype from a young age. Oh, my but it, gosh. it took you a little while. It took the, the magic of, of college and Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr. to bring you fully into the yes. world. <laughs> I mean, before that, there was there were books and there was Scooby-Doo. And Scooby-Doo is kind of what I was saying. They just kind of like fall upon yeah. the moments as they go. They're just like, oh, we'll run over here. And then suddenly there's everything unfolds. <laughs> they just r- run into greedy idiots with yeah. rubber masks yeah. and go like, this is obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And then they drive around in their van. They're not talented. They're just, <laughs> they just happen to be there. <laughs> they just don't have a permanent address. <laughs> That's right. That's all their skill is. Not living one place. So when you discovered the book, you you brought some show and tell stuff, which is great. You I have did. this great original illustrated Sherlock Holmes. It has all the uh, original illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when did you, when you got into it, did you get all the way in and just like devour the stories or was it a little bit at a time? It was a little bit at a time. I mean, there are, it's interesting because this, this collection has as much as possible, but I remember having a book that was just kind of the, the introductory sections. I think like a lot of the books just have a few stories. Yeah. So getting this huge, massive tome was great. (laughs) It was suddenly like, oh, I haven't read this one before, or I certainly haven't read this with illustrations before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Reading it, what were your reactions to the stories? Did you really enjoy them, or did it feel more like I love these stories? It, I love the prose. It's <laughs> delight. Like, what was your experience? So, I I really honed in on the character of Sherlock. I think Sherlock is a really interesting character. I mean, we see that character in, you know, I watched I I watched all of House. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, Luther. Yes. BBC. Right. So, just this idea of this this massively skilled person who is terrible to everyone they know (laughs) in, you know, because all that matters is the quest and the crime and I must solve everything. And I, I found that really, I don't not, I don't want to say compelling. It was compelling. It wasn't like I wanted to be this person. (laughs) It's clearly not who I was going to (laughs) be, but, um, but I love that. And I loved seeing the writing because it is, it is really interesting. It's all very, it's very filled. There's lots of detail. Like that's not, you know, it's like being in a in a TV show at that point where you do like you're able to look around and see all the things. I mean, it comes at you really fast, but if they show a crime scene on TV, you get a good sense of the crime yeah. scene. Yeah. But this everything has to be written out, and it's not just like the major thing, but it's everything. Yeah. As a you know, you were already into puzzles and everything by the time you read this, right? Absolutely. So, did you feel like the prose is like being fair game where you can figure it out if you're thinking the right way? There was a little sense of that, like, can I beat this, yeah. you know? And I, I loved Choose Your Own Adventure stories. I like, 
you know, I do a lot of role playing and I really like investigation games and I played plenty of those before I got to this book. And so it was a sense of like, can I beat this adventure? Like, can I, <laughs> can I win this before Sherlock tells me the answer? And it, it never felt exactly like I could do that. You know, that's not because we are, we are Watson, we are watching it all happen and we right. don't have the skills. Um, and so when, when they're mentioned, we're, we're meant to be surprised by it, just like Watson is, and say, like, oh, my gosh, you're so great. <laughs> right, because the prose doesn't linger on what is important about the detail. Right. It doesn't give you the information that you would need. The, like, it might say that there was a coat in the corner, yes. but you don't know the information you need to know <laughs> about, like, yes, and it has this marking from this regiment of this war, which means that's why he has the limp, which is that's why he's the killer. Exactly, kind of thing. exactly. <laughs> it's like those uh, those point-and-click adventure games. You know, there were certain objects that you could click on, and there were plenty that you couldn't, and so if you could click on them, that's important. Yeah, yeah. And we were playing a text adventure game where you're in a room, like, I don't know, do stuff <laughs> <laughs> and part of it part of the stories is that dynamic between him and watson right yes, so yeah. are you in, were you enjoying that as well of just sort of the human part of the storytelling yeah because it, it's clear the whole time that even though sherlock is the protagonist and watson is this like helpful spectator that watson is you know to me the better of the pair you know watson is is kind of more anchored in reality <laughs> in so many ways <laughs> and is like what are you doing like don't oh my gosh and i love there's also this this presentation of, of Watson as being really, really skilled. I mean, military, doctor, all this other stuff. So they're not just like a hapless helper. They're, yeah. they're there. They're useful. You know, lots of skills on their own. And I just, I started to admire Watson in the role, even if I was, you know, along the ride as this spectator, this this kind of like, ooh, cool. Yeah. Nice work, Sherlock. Yeah, because Watson is an uh, evolution of what you experience with Encyclopedia Brown, where yes. like, that, great job, Sherlock, but also... <laughs> Don't be such an yeah. asshole and maybe back <laughs> off the cocaine. Like, this is how you live. You you got to bring it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, Watson is kind of like a moral center, right? Where yeah. he celebrates the, the accomplishments of Sherlock mm-hmm. and is amazed by them, but also is trying to keep him a little bit grounded, right? Right. And then the pair of them together are uh, a single hero. <laughs> oh, that makes I mean. a lot of sense. They're a little Voltron. They're a two-person Voltron. Absolutely. And I like that hero. <laughs> okay. Two-person British uh, Voltron. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite story or novel? I, I have... Oh, my gosh. I was trying to decide. I have a couple. Okay. <laughs> so one of my favorites is, of course, uh, The Final Solution. Final Solution? Yeah, yeah. Is it Final Solution just, or Final Problem? Might be The Final Problem. I was just reading it earlier. <laughs> uh, it is... It is fascinating to me for so many reasons. I love it as the the uh, the story that Arthur Conan Doyle wrote to kill Sherlock forever <laughs> and never have to write another one of these. And as you go through and you read it, you it's just it's filled with this dread and just oh Sherlock is gonna die. It's gonna be terrible. This will never end. This is the greatest villain. I can't beat them. I'm going, but I, I'm going to try, and then I'll get beaten in return. It's just, it's wonderful the whole way through. And it's a good story. It's not just like, I hate doing this, and I want to stop. It's also, you know, Doyle just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in the best way possible. I'm going to write Sherlock off a cliff over a waterfall, and um, you're going to like it. And then that's going to be a compelling ending. And great, perfect. <laughs> I ended a series. <laughs> yeah, and it is uh, the final problem. The final okay. solution is another horrible thing. Yes. Uh, yes, final problem. <laughs> Uh, so, so you like the story for the story? Because obviously, if if people know Sherlock Holmes at all, this is one of the big cultural things right. they know that Arthur Conan Doyle tried to kill him off. Uh, <laughs> and it's you know great discussion of points of view 
in whether you trust the narrator. And obviously, since it's told from Watson's perspective, that's often, you know, the idea of that's that's the way out. Yeah. Like that. But you just be, beyond all of the sort of cultural knowledge and discussion of that mm-hmm. as from Conan Doyle's perspective, you just like this story. I actually do. It's it's really cool because it's um, Sherlock shows up with Watson and lays it all out. This is the introduction of Moriarty. Moriarty's not in any story before this. And Sherlock just says, look, this whole time. <laughs> and it, I think it's it's presented like years later. Like Watson is doing his own thing, has like a private practice, hasn't seen Sherlock in years. And Sherlock shows up and says, oh boy, let me let me tell you about this professor who's like the Napoleon of crime, which is a weird phrase, <laughs> which he took from someone else that's an actual person is the Napoleon of crime. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Doyle didn't make that one up. He was, I can't remember the guy's name, but okay, that was a real criminal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, and that's very interesting. To, like, obviously, Sherlock Holmes is a great literary accomplishment. Yeah, but then it's funny to look back from a modern perspective. If there was a series of books, like if Harry Potter was the seventh book, oh Dumbledore suddenly came in. It's like, let me tell you, the biggest threat in the world is Voldemort, <laughs> but we haven't mentioned it in At any all. of the six previous books. People would be like, this is garbage. Exactly. Right? Yeah. This so, is terrible. Uh, obviously, it's a different time. It's a different yeah. style of writing. Mm-hmm. But just the, in the cultural imagination, Moriarty is like the identifier of arch nemesis. Right. So for the, that story to be like, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes comes <laughs> and is like, by the way. Yeah. But I, I like it because it is this super serialized thing. I mean, I, I guess I can't obviously speak for the time frame, but I, I wonder if people got together and were like, I wonder what's going to be in the next episode of Sherlock Holmes. Like, here's five fan theories about it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, that yeah? was certainly like Dickens had that uh, I guess appeal true. of serialization. Yeah. yeah. The stories are just so, like, they all end. And it, it's it's hard to look at them and see see the the kind of glimmers of the next episode i guess like they don't end on cliffhangers about the next thing very often right so i think it's for me it was a little harder to grab onto that i wasn't really sure what would happen so when a story started it was just like cool here's a new adventure of sherlock holmes yeah <laughs> and, um it's i guess it's more like the old episodes of scooby-doo i started watching some of the new ones holy cow that's like an endless series that's <laughs> that's a progression well i mean that's yeah <laughs> such a difference in the idea of what serialization is yeah you know that i think has only died recently of you know it used to be just like hey did you like that adventure here's another one yeah it's quite it. similar <laughs> and now we're getting to that point where people didn't want to see the solo movie because mm-hmm. it wasn't a continuation of the star wars story right. it was just some stuff that happened to han solo so mm-hmm. it's not necessary i like guess that's, that's such a change in the way that we think of storytelling yeah and in a in a similar way the the sherlock the bbc series BBC? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the Cumberbatch. <laughs> the Cumberbatch. The British. Um, there was a there was a moment when oh my god, I just can't do names today. Uh Watson is um uh yes. The uh, Hobbit. The Hobbit <laughs> The Hobbit. The guy from um, the office. Wow. Yeah. The the office <laughs> Hobbit Watson. Um gave an interview where, where they were saying, you know, he was asked, like, why is it so slow for the next episode to come out? And he got really frustrated and he was like, Cause the fans, because there's like there's this <laughs> this huge backlash whenever we do something because people were expecting something else. Uh, oh, so he was saying that it was taking longer to produce them because the, the creators were wrestling <laughs> with fan expectations. That was, a, that was Martin a, Freeman. Martin Freeman. Wonderful Martin Freeman, one of my favorite actors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great in the MCU as well. Exactly. Yes. Um, but it was really interesting. Just, And I don't think it was meant to be this overwhelming, like, all of you people stop watching us. It was just like, it was a moment to acknowledge this, like, 
yeah, this this they have built up expectations so high and they end on these massive moments and you always want to know what comes next. And then there's all sorts of other like, you know, background universe meta stuff that everyone wants to see. How do you compete with that? And I'm I'm kind of I like Arthur Conan Doyle as just being like, all right, well, I'm going to write whatever I want next. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. No one send me letters. <laughs> um, so you said a couple stories. So final problem is yes. one of your favorites. Do you have another favorite that you were torn on? <laughs> I love the Dancing Men. Uh, it is fantastic, and it's it's like the one that calls to me the most. I think um, the Dancing Men. Okay. Yeah, I tell me about the Dancing Men. It. So it's got two parts to it. One of them is it has the Dancing Men cipher. Okay. Which, for me, is perfect. I love codes. I love that sort of thing. And in in the story, Holmes is presented like that's the case. He's presented with these weird stick figures of a person dancing. Okay. And, and that's, that's the whole puzzle. Yeah. And now how does... Uh, it's been such a long time since I've read that one. How does Holmes react to that? Is he is he delighted by that <laughs> challenge? Or is he like, this is bullshit. Just... Give me an actual case. He he is kind of delighted. And I this this is my okay. <laughs> I love this story for two reasons. Um it's all in the introduction to like the the dancing men cipher is uh is itself not not super difficult to to crack, okay. I guess. I mean, we wouldn't be happy doing it, but it's certainly doable at this point. So yeah. that's not not a big mystery, but it's it's definitely about like who's sending this code? What is it saying? It's not like any code we've ever seen before. It has stick figures of people, like, with their arms held out, like, like a Y, or kind of bent and sticking up. Okay. And then one hand could be on a hip, and one could be, like, sticking out, and then the legs are in different postures, and some are holding flags. It's really... Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to decide, like, oh, if one of those is a letter, which letter would you pick? And there's, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it, but we've got, we've got tricks. So yeah. It's solvable. But, but for him, he's given that code, it's been handed to him by someone, and he needs to try to figure out what it says. And so they go and they like, well, who is this person who handed it to me? You know, what, what's all the, the bits of that story? And let's get more of this code so that we can crack it. And that's that's basically about it. Okay, so in a way, it's sort of like time traveling to like a lot of what our modern puzzle making is and yeah. like escape rooms. Absolutely. It's a really like, this is in some ways the, one of the most famous detectives kind of dabbling in what <laughs> is much more modern version of Puzzle making? Absolutely, and I love it. <laughs> and and just like anyone else, when you're presented with a weird code, you're like, I need to find the code sheet. Like, I need what I... I don't have a mastery of semaphore. I just need to look at a piece of paper that says, this is what A is, this is what B is. Yeah. And that's what he's looking for, and he's trying to find it because he knows one of the criminals probably has it on them. Yeah. So... And I love that story um, because it kind of, like, it goes back to, like, Mary Queen of Scots. Um, she was trap locked in her tower and she was sending out coded information and it was the same deal like how do we break this code we don't know what she's saying to people yeah she probably wants people to kill other people <laughs> that's fascinating too because i feel like Holmes, like there's lots of discussions of the kinds of detectives especially mm -hmm. once you get into uh, american and and uh chandler and philip marlowe in particular who's sure. much more emotional right and yes. <laughs> he, he is motivated by other humans and how they feel mm-hmm uh, and how he reacts to that. And it's interesting to have, like, Holmes feels like he has to put up with emotions and motivations in order to just get to the logical clues. Yes. So I guess it would make sense of, like, great, it's just <laughs> figures on an image, and I figure out what they mean, mm -hmm. and that's it, and none of this human bullshit. No, I can I can do this. This is, this is all for me. <laughs> but I do love, because this episode, episode, <laughs> does kind of showcase his favorite emotion which is 
um, having people fawn over him. Okay. And so at the very start of this, when I watched the, the, the Cumberbatch series, I was like, that thing where he's like, I know you want to be my roommate. Like in the very first episode, yeah. he, he sees Watson, you know, someone brings him in. He's like, oh, cool. You, okay, we can be roommates. And Watson's like, we haven't said anything about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one of those moments at the start of this. And it's it's uh, it's great. It's um, what is the line or something? I was looking at it earlier. Uh, 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 um, the very first words uttered in the thing are like, "So Watson, you do not propose to invest in South African securities?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "What? <laughs> How could you possibly know that?" And then he goes off in the whole thing, like, "You have chalk on your fingers. You didn't ask." And most importantly, like, "I have your checkbook, and you didn't ask me for the key." Like. So, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but if you have chalk on your finger, then you were playing billiards and you had to be playing with this person. And I was like, oh, it's all there. It's all, okay, perfect. It wasn't just like a modern retelling of it. I love that Sherlock as jerk is right here. <laughs> like, and then it goes like, oh, well, now that I've told you how it works and you're so impressed, read this. And he just like flicks him the coded message and is like, figure that out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and that's the start of the story. I love it because it is just this like... Just look at me, look at me. I'm really, really cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> he really wants that Encyclopedia Brown feeling. Exactly. Of, you tell me I am awesome. That's your job. Which is good, because I think in this one, kind of the the return on the investment of the code doesn't quite come through. So I'm glad to have that moment of like, yeah, Sherlock is really great. Okay, so <laughs> right it is about start. building up his character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite interpretation? We've been talking about, you mm. know, the super famous modern one. I mean, there's 8 million modern ones. Yeah. The Robert Downey Jr. Sure. one. There's a whole elementary show, I believe, on CBS. Yes. Um, but obviously, the Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. But have you gone back and watched any of the uh, older films? There's the various British television series. There's old radio dramas. Do you have a favorite interpretation? See, they'd all have to be modern. Unfortunately, I have not gone backwards. Um, A friend of mine asked me to work on a project where we were building a big Sherlock-coated painting, and she had them all. She had watched every single one of those and so had this this real feel. So we we looked back at a few of those episodes just to see, you know, in an image sense, what it was like and what it was about and how they moved and how they spoke and things like that. And I enjoyed that, but I haven't, like, sat down to enjoy all of it. Yeah. I really like the modern stuff because, you know, the most enthralling thing. It's really, really true. It was a silly moment. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. in the boxing ring yes. in that movie. Right? Yes. That's a perfect moment for me. That's that's this moment where I see that is a master of analysis trying to figure out how to land the perfect set of punches that will knock over this giant or whoever he's fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they lay it all out with those camera angles and moving the screen around and tons of imagery. And it's... It's incredible. I think that moment right there was like, oh, I get this. Okay, now I can see what Sherlock is. So you see that like you see the way Sherlock sees things? Yeah. And that's not something that the books can do. Like they can say he's doing this. Right. Um but they can't visualize it. Right. And I mean I was reading uh freshen up uh on Wikipedia and mm-hmm. like that there is plenty of moments of violence in the books that he's yeah. established as uh 
a good fighter. Right. So yeah. this is not like just, I think some people thought like, this is a real modernization of the guy who just smokes his pipe and has yeah. a deer stay. Like, no, he, he fights. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> Sherlock fights. I think those older TV shows kind of gave that because it wasn't quite as fighting. <laughs> yeah. He was not kicking as much ass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was smoking a pipe, wearing a deer hunter. <laughs> but also, I think it's interesting to take those skills that we know Sherlock has and apply them to something as immediate and dangerous is a huge guy is trying to punch your yeah. fucking lights out yeah. <laughs> and say like i have to do this in the moment and do it with that speed and clarity absolutely and it's it's interesting because that is not my favorite portrayal of sherlock for sure i okay i really enjoy the the cumberbatch the modern retelling i think that is a lot of fun and i don't see i don't see sherlock as robert downey jr okay I'm gonna go ahead and say it is it <laughs> is is uh robert downey jr just a little too cool He's a, I, I would say too cool, a little too, I mean, I'm just used to emotion from him. He's an emotional actor for me. Yeah. He's, you know, quick with wits and that's fine, but that's not, not quite Sherlock for me. Like what I want is this, this kind of like passive on the way out. Like I'm a, I'm a logician. My, my nemesis is a professional mathematician <laughs> kind of guy. And that's not Robert Downey Jr. for me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a, a pull of the character is that he is someone that you really want to watch but you wouldn't want to have a beer with yes like i would want to have a beer with the robert downey jr sherlock holmes because he'd still be charming and fun and i feel like uh, benedict cumberbatch captures that like he would just break you down he would Mm -hmm. just see the way you sip a beer and he would tell you your childhood injuries (laughs) exactly you know (laughs) you would spend five minutes in that room and be ruined as a human (laughs) and he wouldn't see anything wrong in that that would be fine (laughs) yeah because maybe he's helping you face something exactly what i just thought you should face your traumas yeah robert downey jr would just probably want to let's have that drink great yeah yeah so out of all of this we talked about a lot of elements of his character what are you most drawn to in him he is uh, you know a real anti-hero Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but is it sure. is it that the speed of the problem solving is it the just the value of seeing how different things are connected? What part of his character speaks to you? Okay, okay, let's. Get, I gotta go deep math. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready for <laughs> okay. deep math. So, um, studying math, which is, I have a math degree. It's fun. <laughs> it was lots of fun. Yeah. Um, one of the things about it is you try to solve very specific problems. Right. right. They're they're complicated. They're ridiculous. Some of them I would have trouble describing. <laughs> uh, I would have trouble today. understanding. Yeah. Yes. They're just they're just wild. But you have a lot of different routes to solve it. That's the big thing. Like the big the big nature of proof is that you all you need to do is get from the start to the finish. And if right. you do that, and every link along the chain is is great then you're good you've done it perfect um however we talk (laughs) this is this is weird they started talking about how if math is the language of the universe right if everything is is mathematics um like behind the scenes then there must be a perfect way to do everything right this is okay i don't quite but i like this idea i like this sentiment a lot so they started talking about a book and so if some if there were the universal truth written down would the way you came up with be that perfect way? Or is it too clunky? Is it too, like, did it take you 20 steps when it could have only taken three if you saw the perfect moves? Okay. And uh, and so people started talking about one of my favorite mathematicians would always look at a look at a proof and be like, that one, that's it. That's from the book. And that was a major compliment. Okay. Uh, in like the, I don't know, what was that? The 
fifties and sixties. I guess it's just the most efficient way to solve a specific problem. Yeah, yeah. And so when when you see that, it's got a sense of elegance to it. You can see the parts, and as you are looking at it and seeing the solution, you're like, oh, you must have, oh, you must have been thinking about this and putting these together, and and it gives you a really sense of how the problem is solved, not just hey, I solved the problem. Yeah, and. So there's, there's kind of a sense of, like, beauty and elegance in that kind of mathematically. Like, we've laid it out as simply as possible. And Sherlock does that. Yeah. Like, I really like that. <laughs> so, okay, so it's the elegance. Yeah, yeah. That there is... Watson could probably do these things, but it would take twice as long. And it would... <laughs> you know, he'd ask all the wrong people, you know, as he was going along, right? What, or Sherlock, what's my favorite thing? Like, whenever a crime happens and someone has to go out, the detective says, you, like, well, duty officer, go... Ask everybody these five questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so inefficient. But, you know, you might get a good lead out of that. But um, but Sherlock would have looked around and seen, that's the person I need to talk to, and everyone else can go home. Right. Right? And that's that's kind of interesting, just the elegance, just the perfection of... And it's just, it's just a, you know, his level of mastery and talent and analysis. Yeah. I think that, for me, is very compelling as a person who admires that sort of thing. That's really cool. Let me ask you what might be a stupid math question. You're ready. I'm my, good. My math analogy might be bad. Okay. But here's the thing that fascinates me about uh, the Sherlock Holmes technique. Okay. Because the world he exists in is a little bit more set, to me that's sometimes what makes him be able to do these puzzles. Mm. Like, for example, I feel like when he sees a bit of evidence, it's a variable, and he can fill it in. Sure. So, like, with that example of chalk on your fingers... He the the variable would be like the X of who are you playing with? Yeah, and yes. because he knows that answer, because there are limited options, and sometimes I feel like what doesn't work about the the Holmes technique in real life is if you came here to do this podcast and you had a little bit of chocolate in the corner of your mouth. Do I? You don't. Okay, <laughs> but there'd be so many variables about how it could have possibly arrived on your face right. i mean you were eating probably mm-hmm. but is it because you were <laughs> sad about something and you're coping with chocolate was it was it as did you get great news and it was a chocolate right. celebration was uh, i out with my best friend and we always eat chocolate right and like you have lots of friends yeah so it, if, it, if it was just clear of like if you came and you were like you it was like eight o'clock and you were tipsy and i smelled beer and i was like ah he's been out celebrating because he's happy right like so he must have been celebrating something with a friend but who you got 20 friends yeah yeah he always has to do this with watson because he knows everything about watson's life watson yeah. doesn't have that many friends and sherlock knows all of them so there's this you know you you had chalk on your on your hand because you were playing billiards because it was like in between his his finger and his thumb i guess that's a yeah pool thing and, uh, well, yesterday was Thursday, and on Thursdays, you <laughs> hang out with this person. That's the only person you'd ever play pool with. Yeah. So, and they just came back from this other thing. So it's all, like, putting together kind of the things he already knows when he does those moments. Yeah. I think in, in most of the stories. He he can do them with, um, I mean, obviously, with other people as well. But but I think I think he has an easier time doing it when he knows something about the person. So there's right. a lot of, like, let me talk to you for a while to find out, you know, you who brought me this case. Let me talk to you so that I get a better sense of the other person. And when I see them, I'm going to be able to make these conjectures. So yeah. he's, he's gathering evidence um, to do all those things. It's not just immediate. Like, I, think, I yeah. think he does have to do a lot. Yeah. And he has to know so much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just have so much information. And also, I guess the thing that, that I'm rambling towards is it's fascinating that he can more successfully be Sherlock Holmes when he is around 
rigid people and a rigid society yes. because there are only so many options of what happened to a lady's glove. That you is know? very true. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is now I was like, did, you, did a friend lose a glove? Oh, great. I would, would, uh, would Sherlock Holmes see Michael Jackson and say, did you just get in a duel? Like, where's your other glove? <laughs> yeah. yeah, time traveling Sherlock Holmes <laughs> yeah. would just be very, very confused. <laughs> that would be really frustrating. You seem upset and you have a small electronic device in your hand. You must have been on Twitter. Oh, Reddit? Okay, oh. I guess that's an option yeah, as well. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, same thing. <laughs> um, have you ever had a moment in your life where you tried to play Sherlock Holmes, where you did really try to reason out what is happening? I, okay. I don't do it all the time. Okay. But whenever anything is missing, oh my gosh, do I go Sherlock. <laughs> oh, really? I, you know, if, if keys are missing, I don't go looking for them. I immediately stop and it's like, when was the last time I had them? What was I wearing at that moment? What are the possible options for where those keys could be? And then I look at those places. Those are the moments where I feel it. Yeah, where you <laughs> sort of narrow it down. Yeah, because the other option is to like, oh my gosh, and start tearing up the whole house trying to find out where the keys might have managed to go. Like, I don't know, <laughs> did I sit on the couch? I don't need to look on the couch if I yeah. didn't. And so it's, I try to do that. I find that to be not like perfectly, but that's on the on that route. But it narrows it down. It becomes more elegant and closer to a, a math solution that belongs in the book. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and usually it's... Uh, it's probably it's either the first or the second option. Yeah. Which feels great. It's like your keys are right here. <laughs> yeah. That's deduction about yourself. Yes. Do you so ever that's not bad. Yeah, have you ever done tried to do deduction about other people? I have. And it's it's usually in similar situations. It was like, well, I don't know what you were doing all day, but <laughs> and then there's kind of a uh, a blanking, like if, if my wife can't find her keys, I'm sorry <laughs> to bring this up. It happens sometimes. Um, but immediately, like, okay, so I remember that yesterday you were out seeing this person and you had this and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, trying to work through that whole thing as well. Right. And if your um, hands were full, then where? They might have put, yeah, you, exactly. Yes. You, were... you don't normally put things in, like, pants pockets, so probably in your coat, like, probably the upper pockets. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have noticed if your hands were in your pockets at some point, you know. So, um, yeah, it's usually just about losing things, let's be honest, which I don't find to be very, very compellingly Sherlockian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of the best, you know, one of the best we can do. I'm not really sure that I've gone full investigative on, on yeah. anything much more than that. Yeah, I think I have had the experiment of just like bar or on a bus or whatever, where you're just around a lot of people Ooh. going through the trying to figure out what would you know about that person? Because those are the moments for, of, of Sherlock Holmes that mm -hmm. stick with me is, is not solving the puzzle, but just knowing that someone's husband died and left them a lot of money just by looking at what they're wearing. Oh, my god! You know, that kind of thing. And seeing, and, and that's where, like, it's fascinating to me because I feel almost like a level of guilt because it involves so many assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About people. Mm -hmm. um, there is a... Do you ever watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, wonderful TV show? I have not got into it yet, but I <laughs> um, see the commercials, and they're very funny. There's an an excellent cold open where uh, where the captain starts walking through the police station, and it's silent. Everyone turns to look at the captain. The captain is wearing, like, a, a maroon bowler, I think, and kind of like a long <laughs> trench coat. And yeah. everyone is like, what is, what's going on? And then he walks all the way to the end of, and it's just quiet the whole time as everyone's trying to figure out... Why, Why did you decide to do this? What what made you make this choice? Right. And then um, 
And then he says, fine, I tried something and it didn't work. And that's, that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it because that's just that moment of everybody being like, what just happened? Like, yeah. where, where did you decide that these were coming from? Who were you talking to? You know, do I know who you were talking Did I say something? <laughs> yeah. What would have caused this? And just like trying something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like that. I think that's a lot of fun. I, I don't think that I can, I can think of a time I've successfully done that, but I'm kind of now I want to. You have inspired me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ride the bus a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a fun it's a fun game yeah. to think of. Is there anything that specifically gives things away? That's mm-hmm. uh, fascinating to me. Um, you've talked a lot about the the divide between Holmes and Watson and the connection mm. between Holmes and Watson. What I was thinking about you, your demeanor, you're a Watson person. You're very uh, friendly and supportive, but I you have it. the mind of a Sherlock. <laughs> Do you consider yourself more like Sherlock, more like Watson? If somebody was going to say you were one or the other, which would you take as a compliment? Hmm. I would say that I am probably. Hmm. That's a tough question. That's. I would. I would like to be more like a Watson more of the time. Yeah. Because I think Watson does a better job as a human, and I think Sherlock <laughs> is very unhuman most of the time. Yeah. Um. Inhuman, sure. But um. I definitely sometimes do that. Like sometimes people, especially when it comes to, you know, I know we all get into like analysis when someone gives us criticism or something. Right. But like sometimes people will say something to me expecting a response and I'll just go quiet because I'm thinking about like, what did I do? How did I do that? Why would I have decided to do that? How did that affect this person? Could I have made three different choices? Like, <laughs> And those moments I think are my most uh, Sherlockian moments. I'll be very honest because I yeah. definitely do that. And I do that in many other realms as well. That's just one of the ones that gets me into trouble the most. But I do tend to analyze before I make decisions. I will certainly, (laughs) as a teacher, if I need to send an email home to a parent, I'm not going to write out like a heartfelt screed and like send it immediately. I'm going to write four drafts of that email, that one paragraph email, and I'm going to show it to 50 different people, (laughs) get their opinions, (laughs) and make sure that it's perfect before it goes out. And I think, I guess maybe... I can't tell which one of those is more Watson at this point. I guess Sherlock would know exactly the letter to send. I think the intention is Watson to say, to be human and figure out like, what what's the emotional reaction this person going to (laughs) be? But I think there's a good value in the Sherlockian version of that. Mm -hmm. Because I certainly do that with emails. Yeah. Sometimes what seems like a very simple email, I will rewrite four times. Mm -hmm. And I've never thought of this as Sherlockian until this conversation. (laughs) But it's because I'm anticipating the person's reaction and rewording something because I'm going through and going like, oh, but if I just say it in this fast, simple way, it leaves the door open for them to interpret it three different ways. So how can I perhaps overwrite this email a little bit so they understand exactly what I mean? (laughs) And therefore, I will get a reaction that is the actual response that I need or want them Mm -hmm. to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's really spot on. And I know sometimes because the first one you write is still the right thing. You know, you've, you've broken it down. You're like, this is it. This is what I want to say. And then then you have to start thinking about the the after effects and like, how do I modify this? I almost always have to get someone to be like, you are a kind person. Please read this. I need you, <laughs> I need you to say that this is OK and you won't like lash out at me <laughs> with right. this response. Um because I don't, it's not what I'm intending. I don't want everyone to go go wild or anything. But I, I'm just, I'm worried that it's going to happen and that I'm not going to recognize it. Yeah. Um, mm, Is part yeah. of your your love of Sherlock then a little bit of the catharsis of somebody who is able to just say and do things bluntly because he doesn't 
care what people mm-hmm. think of him. And has the the reputation that no one else can really call him on it. I mean, they try. They do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, I think there are people in that position that can just say, like, this is, you know, TV producer, ma- ma- master, whatever. Yeah. Can give the criticism and not worry what you have to think about it because you're going to respect that and be like, all right, okay. All right. right. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's it's fascinating to me, too, because I watched all of House and, and mm-hmm. like, uh, all the creators were oh explicit. The show itself is explicit where House is aware that he can behave the way he chooses yes. to because of his skill. Mm-hmm. And that's why he wanted to become so skillful so he could just be himself. It's <laughs> been so long since I've read the original Holmes in the stories that I'm really interested in this distinction between, I will make a judgment and say abusive power. Like a TV yeah. executive uh-huh. just saying whatever they want to because they can to me is an abuse of power. I agree. Be human. <laughs> yeah. uh, be kind. Yeah. So do, do you think the Holmes of the book is abusing power versus I just don't care if people think I'm eccentric or weird. Huh. Which that that to me is different to be like Holmes is like, yes, this is my weird life. I, you know, live in this uh, apartment with my doctor friend Watson <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm i not interested particularly in dating and I love puzzles and when we're done talking, I'm done talking. Yep. <laughs> to me, there's a world where that's just like, I, I'm a little different and I don't, I don't care about the society's judgment versus... Since I'm an excellent detective, I can be a dick to you. <laughs> that is fair. So if I think about Cumberbatch versus House, yeah, um, there is definitely that distinction. Cumberbatch has this, like, I'm aware that I'm not good at this. Yeah. But I don't, it's fine. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be me. And uh, whereas you mentioned House is like, I know I'm like this. That's what I like about it. You yeah. Know, is really kind of depressing. I, I can get away with like this. That. Yeah. 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 And so I think that, from the books, from the original stories, I think that Holmes is, I I see Holmes as unaware. Yeah. Okay, that not he's like, not making a choice. This yeah. Is, he just is. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and I, I just can't remember the moment. I know in the, the, the Cumberbatch show, it's like, Watson, this is why I need you here. Like, I need like a humanity yeah. translator. <laughs> um, An empathy coach. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't think that happens in these stories because that kind of like, that's... I don't know, that stilted, like, I don't have to, we don't need to be emotionally connected, feels, feels this, I don't know, feels this period British <laughs> kind yeah, of life. Yes, the, it, it's a goal to be yeah. stiff upper lip, right? Right, right. So, so we don't need that. And if I, if I am brusque to you, then okay, well, stiff upper lip about it. Like, let's, right. <laughs> let's move on. And I, I know certainly as an American audience, like sometimes I see that and I'm like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and he does value Watson, right? I mean, there's, there's humanity mm-hmm. uh, in his relationship with Watson. Yes. Um, the letter that he sends to Watson when he goes off the falls, he leaves a little, a little note behind. And it definitely, you know, is, it's not like supremely heartfelt as if I'm going to let everything out and tell you all my, my hopes and dreams, but I'm yeah. going to tell you exactly what just happened in this scene. Yep. I pretty much knew like Moriarty is standing right there. He's letting me write this letter to you um, here, blah, 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 a little bit of stuff. And then by the way, I am, you know, humbly yours or whatever else or something like, so there's this, this moments of, yeah, I really like you, Watson. Yeah. You're not just my, my um, positivity helper, like making <laughs> me feel good about myself. Um, I, I value you. And and that's kind of nice. Yeah. It's not all the time, but it's that's, there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. If you could hire Sherlock Holmes to solve a problem in your life, would you? And do you have any idea what what kind of thing or what specific thing it would be? Hmm. Intriguing. <laughs> I would want I would want Sherlock to I mean, yes. I think yes. I mean yeah. if, 
who else would do that? You know, <laughs> if I had a major problem and I needed it solved and Sherlock was around, like, yeah. then yeah, let's let's get this going. Um, what would it be? Um, here's what I would do. No, no, no. No, this would be great. Okay. <laughs> so I think, okay, I would hire Sherlock Holmes to be a life coach for one session. <laughs> one session. That's it. Okay. Do your research. Walk in the room. You get this one hour to tell me what to do. And I am going to be on, I don't know, what, just a little bit of antidepressants <laughs> during this conversation. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> enough about that. But, um, yeah, I would just need to prepare myself for the onslaught of negativity that would come. However, he would be able to look at my situation and me as a person and be like, this is what you should do. And right. I would do that. Because <laughs> he wants to solve the problem. So yeah. even if he has... Uh, negative assessments mm-hmm. of challenges going forward. Yes. So I was thinking of the same thing of like, well, time management. Because I, I struggle with time management mm-hmm. and the conclusion I always come to is I just have to have more willpower. I just need to get up earlier in the morning. I just need to play a video game only for an hour, not three <laughs> uh, when I'm stressed. Uh, so in the way, I feel like I have the answers, but it'd be fascinating to have someone like Sherlock Holmes come in and see if there is... I mean, this is a little bit more emotional work than he normally does, right, but yes. see if there is something <laughs> like strategically... Since you have this problem and this problem, if you tried to address the problems this way, I mean, it might just be, you know, Sherlock Holmes' Benedict Cumberbatch comes in and grabs my PS4 and throws it over the balcony. It could be. Problem solved. (laughs) Give me $700 or Enjoy your life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's quite as simple as that. Yeah. But. I think that's very true. Um, Because he does, like, he doesn't take things that are simple. Yeah. Doesn't like anything that has a lot of emotion behind it. But but I think for those sorts of things, they're they're probably we expect that that is a problem. It has a solution. There's probably a solution in the book of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> like, yeah, and that he could come and find it immediately, and and just there would be the satisfaction of knowing that no matter how long I had thought about that problem, Sherlock's answer will be better. Right, and he can see something that we can't right. about ourselves yeah. probably, mm-hmm. and also I think he would have satisfaction in like. I gave you the answer. It's your choice whether you successfully implement it or not. Yeah. That's not my problem. I mean, Bye. honestly, I think this is the new interpretation of Sherlock Holmes. I think I think <laughs> Sherlock should Holmes. move to Hollywood. <laughs> Time management and life coach. Yeah, exactly. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> what do I do with my life here? <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Watson, he'll say again and again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our how obsessed are you questions. Oh. <laughs> Do you think about Sherlock Holmes every day? I I do not. Okay. I I know that I do Sherlock things, Sherlockian, excuse me. Yeah. Uh every single day. Like I am I'm generally looking and solving puzzles and thinking about mysteries and however I am not thinking specifically about Sherlock. Right. So, I don't know. But you're thinking about the world that he sort of opened up to pop culture and really yeah, popularized. Right. Not specifically Victorian crime stories, but <laughs> <laughs> but where that leads to, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Has Sherlock Holmes ever made you weep? Mm, Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> the emotional resonance of those stories? I think... I can't remember. I think actually the the end of the season where they do the final problem yeah. is pretty darn emotional. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think more specifically. It's been a while since I've watched those. Yeah. Uh yeah, I watched them as they came out and I haven't gone back to rewatch them, even though they are incredible. I really like them. 
Um, I think there's some emotion in there. Yeah, absolutely. Not uh, not reading any of the stories has done it for me, but okay. Yeah, but but seeing it on screen, yeah. And obviously, they they invest in the emotional <laughs> in the, in that show, and that's yeah. a lot of what it's about mm-hmm. is digging into who these characters are and how much right. can they connect and how much can they not connect. <laughs> exactly. But even a Sherlockian like myself, when, when yeah. I see Watson's, like, oh no, yeah, um, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I I wanted to ask about the final problem because it is so fascinating, just as a story. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you feel about Arthur Conan Doyle? trying to be rid of Sherlock Holmes and then just, nope, the, that's all the public wants from him, so coming back. Does that affect you at all? Because we talk about you a lot as a mathematician, but mm-hmm. you're a creator, too. You do yeah. writing. You do mm-hmm. game design and puzzle design. You're writing you know, various RPG adventures. Yeah. Do you ever yeah, think yeah. about that Arthur Conan Doyle perspective I, of being trapped in a brilliant creation? Yes, I do, and I think about it with, like, you know, J.K. Rowling, same deal. Yeah. Cursed Child, like, I thought that was never, ever going to happen. Right. Because she said, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. But I, I think there there was a huge call for, for more and more and more. And it's like, how do you how do you turn that down? How do you decide, like, no, I am ready to walk away and not do that anymore? Yeah. Um, and to her credit, she tried. She did. Really yes. hard. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think she released at least one thing with her own name and a different thing under a fake name. Yeah. 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 But then suddenly it's, you know, okay. Well, we want to build a theme park, and we need some new stories for that. You want to help us out with that? <laughs> like, <laughs> we need to know a little bit more about Harry's time in fourth grade or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think there's it. It's hard now, especially when people dig in that much and need so much more. And I, I think it's harder to get away from creations now. I would have totally respected Doyle if he had just been like, "That's it, the end. We're done. Look, I did it." Yeah. I think people should be able to end things. Um, yeah. And move on. Um. I know that the public doesn't want that, and <laughs> I also know that it is to your financial benefit to keep going, which is why we have reunion concerts for everything. I just, yeah, I saw is it Elton John's finale concert? Or oh, really? Tour right now, I think. And so, in LA, it's sold out for like four nights or something. Wow, you know? and four nights of final. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly around the world. <laughs> um, so I get it. I mean, you you start doing your thing, people like your thing. Why not keep doing that thing? Yeah. Um, but I do, I do wish there was a way for people to say, like, I'm good. Yeah. I have finished it. And as long as you finished it, and Doyle did. <laughs> yeah, it's called <laughs> The Final Problem. Yeah. <laughs> he had to go through, and the stories he wrote after that, some of them are prequels to that story in particular. They go in the middle of that time when Holmes was off on his own. Okay. Um, but I think there are still some after as well, and then we get the narrator. Yeah, then we get narrator. the... Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so you would you would be okay with it if... Because sometimes people say, like, oh, our, poor Arthur Conan Doyle, he created something brilliant. How awful. Mm-hmm. So if you wrote uh, a, an RPG adventure and people thought that was amazing and it was in a specific style yeah, and that was the only thing you could ever do, would you feel trapped and haunted or would you feel grateful that something you created was so unique and specific that people were like, we only want that? Wow. That's... Yikes. That's such a good question. <laughs> I I would feel the satisfaction. I definitely would. Um, I'm trying to think about a good analog. I'm trying to think of an ending that I have enjoyed where it came unexpectedly. Yeah. I guess. I mean, you know, when you know a series isn't being picked up and they do a finale at the end of it, that's not the same thing. But when if they were saying this is only gonna be five amazing episodes, yeah. There it is, and we're done. And we're moving on. Um 
boy, I cannot think of one of those off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I'm used to reading a lot of like fantasy novel series that just go on forever. Um, and I think in their minds at the first, they'd be like, this this will only be 17 books. It'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> and they just won't stop. Um, I like a satisfactory conclusion. Um, I recently read, oh, let's see, I'm going to do this. N.K. Jemisin. Okay. Um, amazing author. And she wrote the... Uh, uh the fifth earth is that the name of it she wrote three books okay. in a trilogy it was going to be a trilogy from the start every single one of them won a hugo award like the first one won every fantasy okay. award i think the second one did too um they're incredible they're wonderful and right from the start i know there's an end coming up yeah and i want that entire thing to be perfect and yeah. i think i think novelists are in a much better place because they can't okay that's done now yeah. i'm gonna write a new novel and you know that you are reading their novel so you're still going to get them out of this other thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? I like yeah. that. <laughs> okay. You, I think the main thing I'm taking away from you is how much you value endings. I like endings. I, Be it oh. <laughs> things you're creating yourself or mm-hmm. things you are reading. Yes. That we have lost uh, culturally our enjoyment of a satisfying shut the, the, the book, turn off the TV, and that was it. That was the meal. You'll never have that specific meal again. Can I can I Star Wars for just a second? Absolutely. I thought Luke's death was fantastic. <laughs> Before that reason, because yeah. he ended. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. It was yeah. a good moment. Yeah. Perfect. And he'll be back as a force sure. ghost. <laughs> yeah. But uh but I think I think stories should have endings. I really, really do. Yeah. And so serialization that is just endless. I just I lose interest. Yeah. Because I don't there's there will be no end. There will be no no consequences, no nothing coming out of these actions. They'll yeah. just keep on trucking supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, I love their their quote is just uh if the ratings go down or the actors ever want to do it, we'll stop. But otherwise, why? Yeah. Why would we ever I mean, stop? There's there's something to be said for that. But yeah. I do love an ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you ever cosplay as Sherlock Holmes? Ooh, yes. And like I said earlier, I have cosplayed as Jordy as Watson. So, <laughs> uh, but you would go, uh, and I know the the I know the deerstalker cap and, and the the Inverness cape oh, right, are from right, the right. illustrations, not from the actual mm-hmm. story. I know that whole thing. Uh, but would you go all in and do the real traditional Sherlock Holmes? I I don't know. I'm kind of a warm person, so that, <laughs> so you'd I, run that would be real uncomfortable. Hot. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think I would want to do that. Um, so in, but without that, what is the costume? I'm not Benedict Cumberbatch, so I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess you just have like really crystal cold, calculating eyes. Right, yeah. right. I I think you could do a thing where you wore the hat and had a magnifying glass. Uh, I don't I don't want to have a pipe or something. That sounds terrible. <laughs> a um, vape pen. For yeah, modern yeah. <laughs> modern Sherlock. <laughs> Sherlock in an opium vape pen. <laughs> Oh wow! No, yeah, I. Hmm, you, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, okay. So you'd be into expressing your fandom, but there are a lot of practical issues. Yeah, I just, I, I don't. Besides those objects, and I even in the the series, the the Cumberbatch series, they were like, put the hat on, come on. It's yeah, time you for gotta the hat. do the hat because the hat's the thing. And yeah. So, so I think that is tricky. Without the hat, there isn't much else. Yeah, yeah. Except being a jerk and <laughs> being perfectly correct about everything. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I'm cosplaying Sherlock Holmes, so uh, I'm going to tell you uh, why I think there's something wrong with your foot. I walk like, away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I sort of cosplayed as Sherlock Holmes. We went to, uh, when my wife Sarah and I were in London, we went to the 221B Baker Street little museum touristy gift shop kind of thing, and they have the apartment set up. And it's a it's a tourist trap. It was cool, uh-huh. um, but 
the, the only thing I really remember is there was a photo shoot opportunity where they had the most stereotypically British guy playing Watson. <laughs> Holmes, it's good to see you. Like, 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 like totally doing that. <laughs> and the photo op was sit down and put the hat on and the pipe in your mouth. And I and pose with Watson. I was so excited to do it. And then as soon as I did that, I was like, this is something that Sherlock Holmes would be so smart as to never do. Like, yeah. come in and go, like, put on a hat that all random tourists in London have worn. And then to make it even worse... Put a thing in your mouth <laughs> that everyone in London has put in their mouth and then pose like you're smart. Oh, you wow. idiot. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I will say that in in London, and I don't know if it's still running, but the creators of the Sherlock series grabbed some professional escape room designers and they have a Sherlock escape room. Oh, that's awesome. And I would want to dress up for that. And I bet that's a thing that they would all hate. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you get a lot of people in, like, just Cumberbatch's cool jacket exactly. and that kind of thing. Yeah, and they're like, all right, well, now here's a video featuring Sherlock, <laughs> you Sherlocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch of Sherlocks. Uh, if you were at a party and someone kept talking about how much they hated Sherlock Holmes, how would you handle it? I mean, in a sense, I'd agree. Wait, okay. do they hate the character or the whole, like, lore? The whole lore. Okay, well, then I'd be upset. <laughs> okay. If they hated the character, that would be an interesting discussion, because well, that's a part of his character. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very hateable. But uh, if they hated the whole thing, I'd be very curious as to... to hmm. That's a great Sherlock reaction. Yeah. So, so you, would, you would try to detect... Why? Exactly. Yeah, there's got to be a reason for it. I mean, this is this is like a perfect set of stories. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I feel like a terrible person saying that. I mean, you can not like what you don't like, but I would still want to know why. Like, what is it about it that really doesn't call to you? Because I love I love the logic. I love the Sherlock stuff, and I also I love Watson as this like this humble companion who's there to help yeah. out. You know, I think I think they're a, a great pair. I think the, the hijinks they get into yeah. are pretty interesting. Um, I mean, those, even the Robert Downey Jr. movies that did well. Yeah. I don't know about the second one. I can't remember. But <laughs> There's so many different, yeah, ways to, uh, the ways that the character has been interpreted yeah. and presented. Um, there's yeah. got to be something for everyone in there. But yeah. I don't know. I think that's a great answer, because, <laughs> but I'm very biased because uh, I get so frustrated with the way we talk about artistic things using objective mm-hmm. language and just saying, yeah. it's bad. Uh-huh. What you mean is, I think it's bad, and that is an opportunity for more understanding. So right. your idea to go like, I want to figure out why, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's for a specific reason. It might be as simple as just we all have very different aesthetic tastes, or it yeah, might be like yeah, yeah. somebody dated someone like Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> and just seeing that is, or you know, it could mm-hmm. be that you know these stories are very male centric. So maybe it's true. maybe that's it. You know, yeah. like but asking why leads you to. An actual better understanding of the person. Right. And because there are so many possibilities, you know, especially the absolutely like the male centrism of these stories, I totally get. Elementary with, uh, oh, I just blanked on her name. Oh, my uh, gosh. Lucy Liu? Lucy Liu, yeah. yeah. Um, that is an incredible series as well. And she is such a major. Oh, my gosh. She's playing. <laughs> uh, she's playing the Watson to. Uh, to a total jerk of, <laughs> of a uh, of a Sherlock, and it's just an incredible pairing. I love that duo so much. Um, that's a great show. Okay, I, yeah. I so really you have watched that. it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't mention it at all because it's not. It's. I think the Cumberbatch one is like so iconic and calls to. It's like they're retelling these stories, right? Um, 
Gosh, I'm just hitting the book. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, in elementary, I don't know. I mean, they're kind of doing that, but it's also like it's meant to be a more drawn out serialized. It's affair, procedural. So, yeah, it's, totally. yeah, week to week. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas the Sherlock is like an effort to really dig down into what what is this? What do these stories oh mean? Gosh. What do these characters mean? Can American TV even make Sherlock? I don't think so. <laughs> well, they certainly need... can't end it, right? <laughs> yeah, we that's know true. that. <laughs> <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island with only three pieces of media or entertainment, would Sherlock Holmes make the cut in any way? Yes. Also, like we said earlier, assuming that allows me to bring along National Treasure. Okay. <laughs> I love National Treasure. It's just Sherlock Holmes tag on. But it's the same thing as it's puzzles, right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why you love it? Yes, yeah. it is. I love the, the puzzle aspect of the whole thing. Like, oh, my gosh. I, everyone, I love that movie. Stealing the Declaration of Independence, who cares? Yeah. The fact that there's an invisible ink on the back of it, that is the smartest, greatest <laughs> thing in the world. I love it. Um, that's what I care about is this like endless quest to to hide a secret and that like Nicolas Cage, excuse me. Um, oh, my gosh. His name is Benjamin Franklin Gates. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Thanks I haven't so. seen it. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what we're doing after this. Okay. <laughs> um, but he's like trying to solve that mystery and it's presented and someone knows the whole secret. And you're trying to figure like I just that always gets me. Right. Right. Starting with the idea that there is an answer. Mm-hmm. So the question is just finding it yes and with that in mind like sherlock holmes is i think right at the top of that and then yeah. just everything with a puzzle in it goes under that i'll just take that whole media okay i'll just take that yeah, that's all really you need much else okay yeah. <laughs> yeah i suppose if you were stranded on a desert island uh immersing yourself in the idea of how to find solutions to mm-hmm. things would probably yeah. be good storytelling <laughs> probably like, if i get all that i also probably get like a, a book of sudokus or something i'll just keep <laughs> me going for a while the sherlock holmes basically you're taking the sherlock holmes loot crate onto a exactly. desert island all right fair enough <laughs> would you want a sherlock holmes themed bathroom where everything in it was sherlock holmes themed no 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 never one of my oh my gosh one of my favorite pieces of advice um uh was uh don't have mirrors in your house Okay. Um, which is terrible advice. Yeah. But I like the sentiment, which is like, you know, you're in your house. You don't just look like what you look. Just be yourself. Like, right. Like, be a person. Okay. And don't, like, don't worry so much about, oh, my gosh, that detail. I got to, oh. Right. Be like aware that. of when you want to be self-examining. Yeah. And that was by the wonderful Nick Offerman. Um, <laughs> in a book called Paddle Your Own Canoe. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I would love to see him play an American Sherlock. Yeah. Course. That would be very fun. That would be excellent. Um. And on that note, like Sherlock is the opposite of that. Sherlock would be like, your mirror, they won't just be mirrors. They're also going to point out all of your flaws and defects and imperfections <laughs> and exactly what you could do to fix those maybe if you wanted to spend that time of energy. And that's just not what I want to do at home. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Especially not in my bathroom. <laughs> so I was thinking of like shower curtains, but you, um, oh. <laughs> your mind went to like a mirror that points out your flaws. Yes. Which I think is fair uh, in Sherlock Holmes land. Still fascinated with, I want to reread some of the, the stories myself. Still fascinated with that line between pointing out flaws and Sherlock Holmes being very accepting of his own flaws. Yes. Yeah. Cause I think he's, he's seen all of them. Of course he knows every single one and he just, they're all part of the game, right? There's a lot of them that are just, I need this flaw. Yeah. I, I need this flaw too. or this, this flaw isn't impeding me in my obsession with mm-hmm. solving a puzzle. Yeah. Like I was, you know, uh, being reminded uh, by reading the, the Wikipedia that he's messy mm-hmm. in the books. Oh, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, of course he could have the cleanest home in the world if he wanted, Mm -hmm. but it's not, uh, it's not germane to what he's doing. No, no, no. He can, he can just 
do what he wants and, and have um, Mrs. Hudson take care of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, fair um, enough. You don't want a Sherlock Holmes shower curtain. Oh you gosh. don't want a toilet that's uh, shaped like his pipe. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> All right. Good answer. Oh, wow. Terrifying <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Let's go on to something happier. If aliens visited Earth and you were the first person to greet them, would you read them or tell them or show them a Sherlock Holmes story? Maybe. Okay, so um, on the Voyager satellite that we sent out, yeah, with a possible intention that an alien species will find it, yeah, we stamped on it like all the religious symbols in the world. Okay, so like when they got to Earth, they'd be like, "Oh, cool, I recognize that." Okay, okay. but one of the things they put on there is like a, a visual interpretation of the Pythagorean theorem, in the hopes that if they see it, they understand that we will know logic and we expect logic as universal truth. We think every like. Any any species that can fly through space knows that a squared plus b squared equals c squared in a right triangle. That's it. Okay, <laughs> you have to defy. Yes, yeah, it's it's you know, and if you were otherwise, you live in a totally different universe where the rules are different, a different so, kind of reality. Yeah. yeah. So Sherlock as the perfection of logic, maybe. I don't know if it would be my first choice. I might show them like a mathematical textbook or something. Yeah, like, we can do calculus, but um. But this is definitely a really, really, it is the best popularization of logic that I could really think of. Okay, so. yeah, because it is, because of that balance between Holmes and Watson, because it has the, the humanity as well yeah. as the logic. Yeah, I know, but but specifically, like, I don't know what an alien's emotions are all about. Like, yeah. who knows what that, you know, are they telepathic? Do they ever need to smile or frown? Who knows? But, like, right. the idea that we understand how to do things using a, a series of logical steps, I think I think any aliens would have to be able to do the same thing. Right. So we can start there. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think for aliens to understand humans, they would have to understand that we are emotional. Yeah. But we yes. try to control everything through logic. That, like, we are the species who looked out at the world and saw everything in flowing organic shapes and then said, ah, I understand. We will build using only straight lines and right angles. And that's that's who we are. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Uh, uh, if Sherlock Holmes hubris. was real and had a GoFundMe, would you support it? Um, let's see. I mean, overall, yes. I mean, his goals are sound. Um if he needed that money, it'd probably be for a good reason. However, I bet that he would do research on every single person who backs that GoFundMe. Okay. Um, and that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> so you feel like it might be a trap. It could be. It could be. And I could be part of it. Who knows? If I'm getting a message from Sherlock Holmes, I think I'm under investigation. <laughs> <laughs> You're not one of the, uh, what is it, the Baker Street Irregulars who help him out? Uh, I mean, not so far. <laughs> I don't know. There have been some some ARGs I've played that have been a little like unclear who's actually running the show. So oh. maybe. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you have. Yeah. Oh. How about if it was Watson? If Watson's like, would you trust more a Watson GoFundMe than a Sherlock? Absolutely. Okay. Watson would definitely, like, he's doing it to help somebody out. Okay. I'm in. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, now, I normally ask people at the end of the How Obsessed Are You section uh, uh, the bear question, but you had the really good answer of you have been trained to deal with bears. Oh, <laughs> so, that's right. <laughs> so um, I change up the animals. Let's say that a new Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes story was discovered. Oh. And you uh, were reading it, but a bunch of angry geese came up and grabbed it from you. Would you try to get it back from the angry geese? A bunch of angry geese. Angry geese. that sounds terrifying. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I mean, yes, that's totally worth it. And I know that that I would get a bunch of, like, little little flat bill marks all over me. (laughs) It would be really uncomfortable. Um, 
I'd want to like put earplugs in. <laughs> I waded into that mess <laughs> and somehow I have to hope that they don't fly away with it. But, right. Um, let's, I'm going to hope that it's on along the lengths of Hound of the Baskervilles where it's more of like a short novel <laughs> yes. than some of the other stories so that they can't just fly away with it. Um, <laughs> so you want it to be a heavy volume. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just for that reason. I think. Okay. Just so the geese don't get away with it. Yeah. But at the same time, I love, I love his shorter stories. I think I do. Yeah. Cause they've, the mystery is all right there and it can't just go on forever. And you're like, all right, let's do it. Let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. It can't dissipate into the yeah. narrative structure too much. But for the sake of this story, <laughs> those geese not flying away, I want it to be pretty massive because I would, I would really, want to read that and see um you know because at the end he has to start making choices about where those stories go like what part of sherlock's life does he really want to talk about now is it just i just want to get paid again and i'm going to write another story or yeah. is it like let's let's investigate this moment some yeah more? and i'd be curious about you know what's what the final one might be yeah interesting cool uh can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with sherlock holmes <laughs> <laughs> um let's see Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Was that Holmes or Watson? That was definitely a Holmes. I, I think that's that's definitely a um, a moment of I have watched an emotional exchange. <laughs> okay. Well, a, a problem that he can't solve. He's yeah. not sure why people did that. <laughs> He's very unhappy. Um, uh, which I like a lot. I just, I love the, the like, I don't understand humanity because I have that feeling all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, because your mind naturally goes to analytical things where you're breaking. I mean, we've, we've talked about yeah. this. You did that great yeah. uh, story for the Story Collider show I did, uh, which you put online so people can go yeah. find. <laughs> um, is it just that your natural inclination is to want to break things down into possibilities and humans are sometimes a little bit too yeah. erratic for that? I'm very bad at quick emotional reactions. <laughs> I don't do those. Uh, I, have to, I have to pause for a while and think about it. <laughs> the natural, Of course, the natural pause when someone says something like, I love you, and you're like, I love you too? <laughs> <laughs> is that the correct response? I've never done that. <laughs> Would you ever consider, or have you done, just like a, a, what strikes me as Sherlockian of just saying, I will get back to you with my emotional response in due course? I have done something very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, oh, no, nope. I was going to be like, let's talk about the uh, a, a therapeutic exchange I had once, but... This is a podcast. We can't talk about therapy right now. <laughs> you can if you want. Uh, someone's, because I do do that. Like, what do I do now? And someone was like, tell someone, let's talk about this a little bit later when I've thought about it some more. And that was actual advice I have been given as a human. <laughs> <laughs> That's great when advice. faced with emotion. <laughs> I think a lot of us could probably take that advice. You don't have to react immediately. You can stop and think about it. Yeah. I think for me, it's the sometimes saying something out of emotion that I don't need to say. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I try to tell myself. You don't have to say that now. <laughs> you could stop and uh, perhaps say it later if it's worth saying. Right. And you could, you know, a little bit like, okay, I've brought my, my threat level down a little bit. Okay, <laughs> let's let's have the same conversation we would have had at a normal volume. <laughs> <laughs> let's discuss this at a normal volume. All right. Let's, uh, let's rate your obsession uh, oh. on a scale of uh, one to, oh, what's a good Sherlock Holmes number? Oh, I don't know how many stories there are. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked that up. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so let's say, uh, is it 56? It might be 56. Sure. One to I 56. Know. I, I, I want to put myself, I think, 
clearly like this this archetype has been part of my life for a long time. I feel that I have I have aligned myself with it in a lot of ways. Uh, and yet, I don't know that I can put it in the 50s on that scale. I might be a high 40, like a 48, 49. A 48, 49. Okay. I would say that the, I mean, there was a moment where I was like, I could write puzzles about true crime. And I've done some of those. And that's been very, very weird for me because it's a, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. I don't quite want to go into the crime business. Right. So, so that takes me back a little bit. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think like a 48, 49. 48, 49. Okay, and I looked it up. 56 stories, four novels. So okay. a total of 60. So. Oh, well then, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if the number is 60. going up a little bit. If you the go number up to is like, 60, I'm going like 53. 53, <laughs> all right, okay. I, I mean, this is this is the world that I want to see is absolutely like we can solve all problems perfectly. Someone has the answers. I might just be stumbling along behind them as they do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do not like a, a messy world where there are no answers. So, yeah. So Sherlock calls to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Because even with emotional stuff in the stories of Sherlock Holmes, Watson has a general idea of what a better emotional response would be. Absolutely. So even with emotions, mm-hmm. there's an answer. So it, yeah, that makes sense that you'd be <laughs> obsessed with a world where there are answers. <laughs> For God's sake. I love answers. Answers. It's all I need. <laughs> all right. We're going to move on to doing some plugs. Uh, can you tell people where they can find you and anything else that you want to plug right now? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rmolina. Um, and you can find me, oh my gosh, at atomicgametheory.com. That's uh, that's the site where I do a lot of game theory stuff and just post things like the Story Collider story you mentioned. Um, some of my game theory analysis and, I don't know, some of the other stuff I've been working on. Yeah. Um, I guess most of the things that you would ever need to find, just go to About. I've written everything. It's there. <laughs> I've listed my portfolio. You've listed your, <laughs> yeah, I would really consider uh, that people go and check out your Story Collider story. Did you give it a title, that that post? Did I mm, did I call it a crying child? No, I called it When Stories Collide, I think. When Stories Collide. Okay, go find that because it's just a great, wonderful story. Uh, here are some quick plugs for this show and then our final fun questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And thank you to all my patrons who gave me a lot of great feedback on the kind of episodes that they would like to see, specific subjects, uh, in this great idea to do a Sherlock Holmes episode. Uh, So thank you, uh, patrons, and I'll keep asking more questions like that. Here are our final fun questions. Okay. If you could replace one part of your body with a bionic body part, which part would it be? And what would the bionic part do for you? Oh, I was immediately left hand. Left hand. Then I would be ambidextrous. <laughs> then I could finally juggle five balls at one time. <laughs> Is this something you've been striving to? Yes, it's super hard. <laughs> so it's, you juggle three balls right now? I can I can juggle three, I can juggle four, I can cheat five, I can cheat six, but I can't actually juggle a five ball cascade. <laughs> ball cascade that's, that's it that's the moment i think when when you have moved on from being a an enthusiast amateur like myself to a to a someone who can really juggle okay five ball cascade bionic left hand for a five ball cascade make it happen somebody <laughs> it's, i've spent years on this <laughs> all right uh if you could have a cool middle name like danger and people actually called you that what would it be Ooh. 
I strangely got married and got rid of my middle name recently, so I'm open to options. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, your middle name wasn't Danger before. It was not, no, and now it is nothing. Um, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> First thing I think of is Stevie Nicks. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But the fact that that's that just what comes ran- to your mind is cool, like danger, Stevie Nicks. <laughs> we'll go with that. Richard Stevie <laughs> Nicks. <laughs> you know whatever. <laughs> People, uh, a Sherlockian approach to you would make so many assumptions about why you have that middle name. You'd be like, yeah. uh, I thought it sounded cool. Right. It are was, you, are it you was big, a moment. <laughs> are you a big fan? Or I mean, I was just trying to think about songs. <sighs> I mean, in theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I will accept that and not question it too much like Sherlock would. So there's a big problem right now. I don't think you should question it. But, oh, wow. We should leave a mystery. <laughs> leave with a mystery. Final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Oh, wow. I think I want to I wanna channel the Watson side. Okay. And say that, that happiness is finding answers or... Knowing that somebody can. <laughs> oh, that's a that's great. Knowing that problems can be solved makes right. me happy. Right? Yeah, like uh, the just that kind of world. And do you feel? Do you find happiness in a mindset where people are open to the idea that there is not only an answer but finding the right question? Ooh, I do like that because the right question often leads to a good answer. You know, yeah. a question. Question that isn't quite phrased in the right way could lead you in in directions that might not lead to the perfect conclusion. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. So I think I think questions can be phrased in a perfect way, and uh, and then given that they have a solution. Yeah, yeah. I think that just struck me with our talk about what we would ask Sherlock Holmes to do because <laughs> thankfully you know you and I are not being blackmailed and. <laughs> no one in our lives has recently been murdered. That's so, true. <laughs> so some of the classic Sherlock Holmes things we didn't have. So we went to uh, fix this overall problem with like I'm I'm trying to really move forward in life and yeah. ha- struggling with it. And and I think just in talking about that with you, that was my thought of like, but the first responsibility would still be ours to come up with the right problem for Sherlock Holmes, right? So that he could find the answer. But if we don't give him the right question, he can't help us find the answer. <laughs> exactly. He's like a genie with only one wish. <laughs> and you ask the wish wrong. Like <laughs> and he will probably punch you if you rub his belly. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Understandable. He can, he can punch really well. <laughs> he can punch really well. Yeah. And understandable. I think everyone should punch the person who rubs their belly without I mean, yeah. asking. Don't tell my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Of course. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. My friend Sienna Morris and I decided that we were going to sit down and create a piece of art that represented Sherlock Holmes. And not only that, but we wanted it to be a puzzle at the same time. And a puzzle that can only be solved using methods that were available to Sherlock Holmes. So there's nothing (laughs) modern in it. You don't need smartphones unless you don't know these methods. But they're all hidden kind of in the picture. So we presented people with a letter and the actual, the illustrated (laughs) stories of Sherlock Holmes. And you have to use them all together to solve this ridiculous puzzle. We have did it, I think, like seven years ago. And to this date, no one has solved it.